Amanda Louder, Sex, Relationships, and Intimacy. LDS sex coach Amanda Louder talks about different things couples can do to improve their sex lives. In this episode, we discuss good orgasms, sex toys, and how to communicate with our partners. This is her story. Hello, Amanda. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm super excited uh, to do this episode with you. Yeah, I'm super excited too. Yeah, so I, and I appreciate your time in it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so um, yeah, you have about an hour, right? Yep. Okay, so we'll um, we'll just cut right to it. Okay. We uh, you know, kind of get um, stuck on some some good topics there. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, so Amanda Louder, you're um, you're a sex coach, is that right? Yes. Okay, now is that it's interesting. I've heard of life coaches. You're a sex coach. Is that is that in the similar? Yes. So I have um, a certification in life coaching. I also have additional certifications and training in um, sex and relationship coaching, and advanced certification in relationship coaching. So. Okay. And um, so I just interviewed. Uh, Sarah Brewer in the in the my most recent episode. Yes, she told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she's awesome. Um, and so it seems like this this life coach thing is it's it's kind of popping off. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it seems to be a way to be able to. Um, I have I have another friend I'm close with. She just got her certification, and now she's picking up clients. And it seems like a way to really help people without. I don't know, having to go through like six, seven, eight years of school. Yes. Sort of thing. Is that, yes. is that right? Yeah. So I had originally wanted to be a therapist, but it just really wasn't in the cards for me when I was raising my family. Um, and then I found coaching and it seemed um, a lot easier path and really more what I wanted to do because I really wanted to help people that their life was already pretty good. We just wanted to make it even better rather than like working with like the mentally ill or something like that. Um, It's my personal belief that many of us are feeling called to go into coaching and become coaches to help with the maturing of the church. I think, um, you know, as Latter-day Saints, we tend to be very immature in um, a lot of the ways that we're thinking, going off of like checklists and to-do lists rather than tuning into our own integrity and really maturing and looking more towards um, personal revelation. I think President Nelson is doing a really good job of switching things from the top down, but I think a lot of people need personal help in moving that direction themselves. So that's, that is my personal belief about why so many people are feeling called to go into coaching. Okay. Yeah. And I appreciate that, that thought. So you active LDS then? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to, to um, clear that up because sometimes you find people that are in the field you're in, but they are not LDS. Yeah. So, so, so this, yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I'm an active temple going member of the church. Um, and um, I, that's the way that I approach my coaching too. So I tend to coach conservative Christian married 
heterosexual women mostly, um, not opposed to coaching others, about probably about mm, 20% of my clients are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but they tend to either be raised in a more conservative religion or just are more conservative in nature. But the way that I talk about sex and the way that I approach it with my clients is from the perspective of someone um, who, you know, is married and in a monogamous relationship. Oh, I, I love that. And that, that's, that's awesome. That's going to fit well with a lot of the audience that, that follow here. Yes. Um, yeah, because we had Natasha Helfer on a couple episodes ago. Yes, I love Natasha. Yeah, and she she's awesome too. I think she focuses on just, you know, not not just the faith, right? So. Right. Well, and as a therapist, I mean, that's not really, you know, she needs to go towards a wider audience. Yeah. And I and I totally respect that about her. Um, you know, because I'm not a therapist and I mean, while I do have my own personal ethics, there's not a guiding body that, you know, um, the licenses and stuff like that, life coaches. And so, um, we can be more specific in who we help. Yeah. And I, I, I like that. So, um, it pr- probably, probably less legal problems too, right? I would hope so. <laughs> 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 Haven't run into any yet. But, yeah. But so yeah. I, I wanted, I wanted to bring this up to you before, before I start asking you questions. So I, one of your well your son one of them follows my my page and that's yes. how that's how he we got connected he told me about your page and i shared your page yeah and um well i um i got some good feedback from it <laughs> <laughs> um in fact i actually i had one person who um followed your page who i actually who i've actually known for a very long time and, and they came to me and said hey uh jay that that lady you 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 had us follow or you asked us to follow changed my life. Yeah. Like I had been married mm. for five years. I'd, I've never had an orgasm. And I just thought I was one of those people that had never had an orgasm. And, you know, this was about a, a year ago. And this person's like, and, yeah, did you know we could squirt? <laughs> <I'm> like, <"What?"> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, so that, that I, I don't know. And, um anyways one, then i ran into her husband one day and he just like looked at me with a smile like yeah this is the guy that, that introduced <laughs> us to amanda <laughs> yes i hear that quite often actually which is so rewarding to be able to help women in marriages and bless their intimate relationships in this way it's really fantastic yeah so so tell us about that how do you how do you help people because i mean for from my perspective right if let's say page all I think is like, oh, this like I already know how to have sex. Like, how hard can it be, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I can. I know how to have sex. Like, sure, I can. You know, I'll just if I if I'm a two pump chump, I'll just you know use my hand and and call it good. So, so what do you? What I guess what what do you do that's so special and unique? Well, so I mean, I mainly work with women, right? But I think. Um, many of us, most of us didn't have a comprehensive sex education. So, you know, a big part of what I do is offer free content um, on Instagram and on my podcast that is a lot of just like really good sexual 
healthy education, like letting people know how their bodies work and how sex works in ways, you know, because I think most of us didn't have that. And, you know, I mean, a lot of women, including myself. So when I was um, married to my first husband, um, I didn't understand my own sexuality. I didn't understand how pleasure worked for me. I didn't have an orgasm for 12 years, not for lack of trying, but I just, I didn't know that I had a clitoris. I didn't understand that. And I had so much sexual shame that I didn't even have the ability at that point to even seek out information to help myself. And so, um, but I, I mean, this was a long time ago. And so I, I wanted to be able to be a resource for people that have the same values that I do so that they could get information that they want and need to have a more fulfilling sexual relationship um, without, you know, stumbling upon porn or, you know, finding things that, you know, were aimed at outside of their value system. So that's like probably the biggest way that I help people. So um, my podcast will be hitting a million downloads this week. Holy crap. That's awesome. It's awesome. I love it. And I love being able to offer so much value out into the world for free. Like there are so many people that listen that will never pay me and that's totally fine. Um, But then I also have my coaching programs where I help mainly women, but sometimes couples and husbands um, not only create a better and more sexually satisfying relationship, but a more intimate relationship where they feel connected and that they fully know themselves and each other. And that is truly what is fulfilling about being in a marriage relationship that is so different than any other relationship that you have. And so that's really what we work on. We work on physical aspects sometimes. I mean, making sure that, you know, technique and they know they have the education behind it, but also working on mindset Um, Mm -hmm. how we think about things affects how we feel and how we act and how we're showing up in our marriage and our sexual relationship. And unfortunately, most of the world has received some pretty terrible messages and conditioning around sex that affects their sexual relationship. So we work on mindset, but we also work, I also work, um, with clients, um, on the nervous system and feeling safe in their body and, um, what we call somatic work, which is in the body so that they can learn to recognize and calm themselves when they start having anxiety or when they start, you know, when they're really struggling sexually, um, because so much of it is healing our own relationship with our body and our nervous system because of all of the conditioning that we've received. Because most of the, most of the messaging we received as youth um, made it so that sex feels dangerous for us. And when something feels dangerous, our body is not going to respond. And so if we can learn to um, calm our nervous system and understand our body better and what's happening and work with our body to feel safe in our body rather than feeling like sex is dangerous, then we're going to be able to have a much more fulfilling sexual relationship. Yeah. It's interesting. When when you mentioned that, that brought me to, there's actually uh, on my page, somebody there's a male that told me how uh, for a year their sex life struggled, struggled because of him. He was, uh, he was too shy. Yeah. 
It doesn't just happen for women. It happens for men too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? What do you mean you're too shy, bro? You're a dude. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but yeah, so that's, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, talking about though, like you, you brought up so many great points. Um, do you feel that when you said in your first marriage, you went 12 years without an orgasm? Yeah. Right. How much of that had to do with, um, let's see what I'm trying to try and phrase here. Like how much of that had to do with what your, um, connection with him was versus just your your knowledge about sex like do you think do you think you could have had those or that that orgasm had you just known more ahead of time and that would make it more intimate yes i mean our relationship wasn't great we ended up getting divorced after 13 and a half years um but and that's really what prompted me to overcome the sexual shame and to start working on our sexual relationship was that our marriage was really, really struggling. And I thought maybe if the sex got better, then our marriage would get better and the sex got better, but the marriage did not. So, but a lot of it was just, I mean, neither one of us had knowledge. And so, you know, we were doing the best we could, but I was also operating from a lot of the cultural framework that I had been taught that men are the sexual ones and it's my job as a woman to accommodate him. And, you know, when sex wasn't pleasurable for me, you know, I would do it to basically, you know, meet his quote unquote needs. Um, but I would do it as little as I possibly could. Um, so it wasn't fulfilling for either one of us. And, um, so it just wasn't a great framework to start out from and continue on. And then I had so much sexual shame for so long that I couldn't, I couldn't even educate myself because it felt so out of bounds, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. So, um, and you, you know, that's sad. I, I yeah, it about, is. I think about this, uh, like if I, I, I was watching this general conference clip yesterday and I don't know, like, maybe I'm a little bit perverted in this thought, but sometimes I'm like, dude, so, like, so many, so, so many of the women I go to church with, they've probably never had an orgasm. They probably don't know what great sex is, and yet they're preaching about joy. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so, I truly feel like, you know, sex is one of the places that we can find immense joy in our marriage. If we are able to work through a lot of the the cultural conditioning that we've received and work through the shame that we have to actually have a great sexual relationship, which is so much of my work. So how, how does it start then? Like, let's say right now there's a couple or a woman or, or a man listening to this and they've had uh, average sex, you know, I guess they, they haven't really, or for them it might be great, but they didn't, they didn't really know that it can be expanded. First of all, how, how do they, re, how can somebody recognize that, that their sex isn't that great, right? Because if you never had anything better, you you'd never know the difference. And then right. how how would you how would you then uh, get into that into exploring that and and opening yourself up? Yeah. So I mean, first we have to look at you know our is it mutually pleasurable? So are both parties having good consistent orgasms? Um, if it's just him then that's not great. If it's, um, if it's him and her sometimes still not great. Um, but women should and are capable of having regular, consistent, even multiple orgasms. And so if that piece isn't happening, then we need to start looking at 
what's going on. If, um, if you're not feeling connected and joyful afterwards, we need to look at what's going on. If it's something that you're just doing for him, we need to look at what's going on. If it's, if you are not understanding how it can be a benefit and a joy, um, for you, we need to look at what's going on. Huh? So yeah, it seems like there's a ton of factors. Yeah, there really is. And, um, you know, I mean, some women can have one of those or they can have all of them. And so we have to really look at what's happening in the dynamics. So the way that I approach coaching women is first and foremost, we have to look at your relationship with yourself. You need to have an intimate relationship with yourself. You need to understand yourself and love yourself because if we can't do that, then we're not going to be able and willing to fully share ourselves with someone else. So that's always the first piece that I look at and deal with is their relationship to themselves. Then we look at the relationship between the two of them outside of sex. What does that dynamic look like? Is it a healthy relationship? Is there a lot of conflict? Is it being resolved in a healthy way or not? Is there inequality? Like, is it transactional? What does, what does their relationship look like? So once we have relationship with self and relationships with spouse in a better and healthier place, then we can start to look at the sexual dynamic. We can dig into all of the pieces, see where the conditioning plays a part. But a lot of it comes from that relationship with self and spouse. And once we fix those two things, a great sex life is a natural byproduct of that. Yeah, that honestly, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, the times that I've, I feel like for me personally, I mean, I know you're talking about women there, but even, even as a guy, like if I slept with somebody that I didn't really care about or, you know, didn't know them that well, it was not good. <laughs> it, it's yeah. not as good. I mean, like you might have an orgasm that feels good in the moment, but it's not actually what sex is supposed to be about, which is you know, creating that intimacy and that connection with another human being and really feeling joy and pleasure with someone else. So, you know, there's no judgment for me, you know, what people's values are and what they look like. But like, it's my belief that that is what sex was created for. I mean, it should be mutually pleasurable. It should, I mean, we have basically three different purposes for sex. There's procreation, um, there's connection, between the couple and there's just pleasure and enjoyment and we can have all three of those things or just one of those things and it can be okay but when we get I mean we don't need procreation for all of it right but Mm -hmm. when we can get the connection piece and the you know enjoyment and pleasure piece those two are critical yeah and that 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 makes a lot of sense as you've been saying that it's caused me to like (laughs) just look back on all the times I've had bad sex and it seems like, yeah, I've been missing certain things in those times. Right. So I I like how, I like how you're helping people to be aware, like, Hey, if, if this isn't going on, this is probably why, and this is how it should be feeling. Yes. And if it's not feeling that way, then let's figure out all of the underlying factors and work on those so that it can be. So, yeah, and that's awesome. And I, I was going to ask you this. So, like, this is something 
I want to, I would want to share with, I mean, all the people that, that I could, right? I think everybody should be, should be having good sex. Um, but in Mormonism, it, it's pretty taboo, right? Like people don't really talk about sex. Um, and for me, I mean, I do, I talk about it a lot on, on my page, but how do you, how do, how would one person bring this up to somebody else? Like, let's say somebody listen listening to this podcast and, and they think, Hey, you, you, I really, I, w- I really wish sister Johnson would listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that, that it's, I don't think it's something that you should put on someone else. I think it's really a personal thing and everybody's going to come to it in their own time. And that being said, I think within a marriage, within, within a couple, we can definitely bring it up coming from a place of honesty and integrity. So let's say that you're, you know, a husband and you have a wife that doesn't like sex or doesn't want sex, or like you're just really struggling in the sexual department, you know, a lot of times what I see is when a woman completely shuts it down, the man will eventually just not like he wants to shut down his own sexuality um, because it's just too painful to deal with it when you have a spouse that like is not willing to deal with it as well. And what I would say is that marriage is a system and we want to put healthy pressure on the system. So not pressure your spouse, but put pressure on the system. So that means you showing up differently, which forces the system to change. And it forces your spouse to make a different choice. And those choices are not necessarily easy, but they are much needed to have really a wonderful amazing marriage and sexual relationship. So if you have a spouse who is not willing to deal with their sexuality, you need to start showing up differently um, from a place of goodness and integrity in yourself. Like, you know, when we got married, this is part of what I wanted in a marriage with you. I thought that we were both on the same page. And so I'm going to continue to show up honestly and in integrity with myself in that. And this is what I want. And if you're not willing to do that, then we need to start making some diff- some difficult decisions because this is what marriage is truly about. Wow. Wow. That, I love that. I've, um, you know, I, I run a confessions page and I, and I get all kinds. And, and one thing that I've, I guess I've never understood is I actually, I hear from people, they tell me like, Hey, Jay, um, I only have sex like three times a year, yeah. <laughs> things like that. And I'm like, wait, what? But you're married. Like how? Yeah. I, no, no comprendo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Like this is marriage. It happens bro. a lot, unfortunately. That's sad, though. That's <laughs> it. It is. It is. But, and so much of this comes from how we were conditioned to think and believe about sex. And so, if we are not willing to mature and grow up and face our sexual shame and face the conditioning, then it will not change. But part of um, what we covenant to do when we get married in the temple is to, we, we covenant to cleave to each other. We covenant to counsel 
together. That means you have to talk about things. You have to create a shared vision of what you want your relationship to be. You covenant to do that in the temple when you're sealed. And you also covenant to labor together. And I think, I mean, we have laboring physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but it is a, it is a laboring, it is growth. We covenant to do this. And if you are not doing those things, then you are not fulfilling your covenants. And so if you have a spouse who is unwilling to grow in the marriage and unwilling to grow sexually, then that's a problem. And that's not a covenant marriage. And you might have to make some difficult decisions. Wow. And, th- and when I say difficult decisions that, I mean, maybe that's divorce, but it can also be ch- ch- choosing to stay and choosing to live in, um, a, you know, marriage with no sex. Some people choose that, but I think a lot of people that choose that, um, they see the value in other areas of their life and they just, they're willing to live like that. Or, um, they just don't want to go through the harder choice of divorce, which I get because divorce sucks, but there it's, we really have to make those hard decisions. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, for me, that's a huge eye opener. I mean, just even, even though people tell me about it, but having you talk about how, how common that may even be, you know, and yeah, sexless marriages are really common, which is really sad. And sexless marriage is considered less than 10 times a year. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't get it, but yeah. <laughs> um, that being said though, like, Sorry, the, th- the thought just the thought just uh, <laughs> just escaped from me. But yeah, oh yeah, like sex isn't talking about sex. It's funny because you know we're taught that sex is bad. We're taught that, or not? Yeah, yeah, or, we are. Or, or shamed around it. Yeah. But, you know, somebody listening to this, they shouldn't feel if they shouldn't feel guilty, right? Because sex, you can talk about sex. There, there's no sin in talking about sex. No, and sex isn't bad. It's sex is not good or bad. It's how we relate to it and what we do with it. That is good or bad. So when we can, if we can start, I mean, my goal is to put myself out of a job. I would love to change this generation and the generations that I'm speaking to so that things change for the next generations. And if we can start talking about like sex is beautiful and amazing and wonderful, and it can create such goodness in your life and in your marriage, but there's a time and a place for it and living and you need to live according to your integrity and what that means for you. But it is a good thing. Now there's also really bad things we can do with it. So we, but we want to create goodness with it because it can be a really beautiful and good thing. What, what do you mean by bad? Well, sex is used for all sorts of problems. I mean, you know, like, um, molestation, rape, assault, Mm -hmm. you know, like that is sex using it in not a good way. Right. Um, a lot of people would qualify, you know, porn, but that's, I think a personal decision. So like there's, there are definitely ways that it can be used not for good. And so, but we can definitely use it for good in our marriage and in our relationships. Do you think it could be used for bad just within a marriage? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, like uh, let me let me let me just give a quick example before I, I hear yours. But like for example, I had a I know somebody who they, they well they they talked about this in the they confessed this to me. They said, hey, like my spouse was cheating on me, and when the day after she had cheated on me, she came she came over and uh, slept with me, and then like that's it, and you know, and it, and it was like, and then after post-divorce they finds out that their spouse did that to kind of just cover the shame yeah you know? yeah so like i was just wondering if people do that too in marriage yes yeah absolutely um i mean there's still sexual assault within marriage you know like um i think coercion and like not being fully consensual is a problem within marriage um, guilting your spouse into it, or, I mean, even, even saying, and I know this isn't meant to be, but when you sit and say like, no, I, you have to do this for me, um, because we're married and I don't have a legitimate other sexual outlet. I think that's a problem. So there's, there's lots of ways. And I think holding it, um, over your partner's head or using it transactionally like well I do this for you so now you do need to do this for me or like no I'm not going to give you sex unless you do this you know there's so many ways that it can not be used for goodness within a marriage mm. yeah oh that's interesting that yeah that, that you, you explained it in a way that I, I was thinking of it differently I was thinking of it more of like people just use it to like numb their own problems you know and, and that not really too. Care about the spouse Yes. And I mean, it can definitely be, be used as a coping mechanism to not deal with your own emotions. And an, I don't think that's a great way to use it either. Yeah. And um, again, how, so how, like, how would you, let's say somebody, everything you just mentioned are things that like in the LDS church, that's kind of taught, you know, a little bit like, yep. hey, hey, <laughs> hey go, go tell your, you know, like, this is your duty, right? Yep. So, so if if there's somebody listening to this right now, how do they then tell their spouse like, dude, no, I'm not doing that out of duty. Um, like, how would you how would you recommend they go and and talk to the, start the discussion with their spouse? Like, well, if you're saying this is what's been happening in the past, and I'm realizing that it's not actually creating the sexual relationship that either of us wants, and what I would like to do is start to change things so that we create a better sexual relationship that is fulfilling for both of us. Mm. See, and I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as I listen to you, my, my own thoughts are shifting, like, about sex. I mean, that's not just one thing to want to wait until I'm committed to somebody to have sex. It's it's more of a, damn, even when I'm committed, like, <laughs> I want to make sure it's, it's good sex. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, really, really good sex is, you know, it is transcendent. It is like it takes you to another level. And when you are, when you can connect with someone mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically through sex, like that is really good sex. And like, I would love it if all couples could have that. I think it would be amazing. Damn. You're making me want to get married just so I can have really, really good sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, might need to happen, Jay. <laughs> yeah, shoot. I need 
figure it out. Um, <laughs> Step it up. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk about this though. Um, Cause this is what uh, I guess a lot of people that wanted to listen to your episode were asking about was like, do you give advice in the actual bedroom? Like yeah. on what to do? Yeah, absolutely. So, so what, what are some tips for, for us out there to, to um, improve our game in the bedroom? <laughs> in what <laughs> respects? <laughs> There's a lot of ways we can improve. We can improve things. I mean, I think making sure that mutual pleasure happens. So, um, I am a big proponent for, um, she comes first that you do whatever it takes to help her have an orgasm. And then once she does, then, then you can, then the man can have his, because most of the time, um, hers is not going to come through penetration. So only about 25% of women can orgasm through penetration. And so you've got to use other methods, whether well, that even, even if the dude has a large penis or is that, it doesn't, that does not that, matter. Really? Okay. Cause you know, just, just based off of things I've seen on the internet. Like, I just yeah. The internet is not the authority on this. So it, it actually has to do with the distance between the vaginal opening and the clitoris. So it's biological. It has nothing to do with a man and his penis size. So, um, you hear making that, fellas? sure <laughs> yeah. uh, just got, got up the short Kings. They, they just got to win. So. <laughs> so you just like making sure that she has an orgasm, whether that is, um, stimulated orally, whether that's stimulated with, you know, hands and fingers or with a toy or whatever she wants, like make sure that she has hers and then you'll get yours. Okay. But when um, studies show that when sex is female focused, it's actually better for both parties. Hmm. So she comes first. Make yep. that rule number one. Yeah. And. And that's not to say that there can't be times when he does, you know, right. but I'm just saying as a general rule. As a general rule, go for, go for it. Even, even like. Even in a quickie sense or just. If, if you, depending on her and her abilities to orgasm, because women's orgasms, some can orgasm fast, but most women take between 40 and 60 minutes. Mm. So um, if you don't like, we can use toys or things to often speed that up. But if, if she can't, if she wants to have a quickie, and is okay with not orgasming, that's totally up to her. Believe her when she says she's okay, if that's true, if that's truly the case. Um, but I'm not a big fan of most quickies if it just leaves her hanging most of the time. Mm. Yeah, that that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um so then what's another rule? That could, that could help people out. Well, yeah, I was going to actually ask this. So you, you talked about sex toys, right? Yeah. Um, and that's, and, and I'll be honest with you. So I'm, I'm almost 30. Okay. And I've, I, I've, I've hoed around, you know, I, I, <laughs> I've, I've had partners here and there. Um, okay. But uh, a lot of the time, you know, being LDS, most of the times that I would do it, it would be, it would be filled with shame. And with, you know, with guilt. And yeah. so I, ne 
it was very rare that I really opened myself up to those experiences that were, that were good. But as, as I, um, as, as I went down a path where I began to lose that sense of, of shame, I guess certain women, were, when they brought out a toy, I was like, well, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, it, it was so, um, it was so weird for me that to this idea of, of sexual toys. So like, how does one, um, I guess, how does one open themselves up to toys? And is it common for like male to have men to have toys? Cause I, um, I feel like, yeah. yeah, men can have toys too. Absolutely. But, um, you have to look at it as a tool rather than a replacement. So do you want to mow the lawn with scissors or with a lawnmower? Um, with, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather ride a lawnmower. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like sometimes we need extra tools to help us orgasm and that should not be something like what you're looking at is the overall picture where like where men tend to struggle with toys is when they're looking at it as a replacement for them instead of just a tool to help them both have mutual fulfilling pleasure. Mm. So men and so women, like, I just want to clear this up because like I said, for me, it took me years to kind of get past that that shame or embarrassment but like it's it's a normal thing right for people to have toys totally normal okay. totally normal um and i think they can be a great tool with lovemaking and they can just be fun too but like we they're really not in a placement they're like they're your friend befriend them <laughs> like they can be really really helpful and for some women who struggle with orgasming especially if it takes them a long time a tool like, you know, some sort of toy can help make it more fulfilling for her and make it happen quicker if you don't have as much time. Mm. So there's, but there, I know of a lot of women that really, really struggle to have orgasms without a toy. Now, and I would much rather her have an orgasm with a toy than not have an orgasm. Yeah, but I, and uh, I guess men should just get over that. Right? Like, well, and a lot of men think that they're giving their partner an orgasm. You're not. They're faking it? <laughs> no, not. It's not that and, you're faking, but like her orgasm, like she's got to figure out how well that works for her. So like whether she's directing you in how to touch her or like she's using a toy. And then she's also got to keep herself in the right frame of mind. And so like you've got to understand that she's giving herself an orgasm by directing you or by using a toy or whatever you're part of that process and like even if she's using a toy on herself you can be stimulating her in other ways and in other areas mm. okay and okay I have, I have this question this is just a side this is a side side thing what okay. what what the hell is a butt plug for? <laughs> <laughs> so the anus has a lot of nerve endings, which means it can be very pleasurable. So um, butt plugs can be used as a way to stimulate those nerves in either a male or a female to have more pleasure. Wait, wait, wait. guys use it too? Guys can use it too. 
but not the same. Like you each need an in that's an individual toy. That is not one that just shared. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was like, huh? You're 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 blowing my mind. You're educating me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love educating. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Um, going back to the to to the orgasm part. So. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting, you know. I, d- I didn't realize how complex it actually was. I mean, you just look at freaking any movie scene where there's a sex scene, and it just seems like it's automatically, yeah, like D- sex, um, porn, TV, movies. Those are not good sex educators. Those are pretend. They're fantasy. They're what we wish would happen, but it rarely happens that way in real life. So if you're using, if you're basing your sex life off of those, you're probably not having a great sex life. Well, and there's probably people feeling upset. Like, hey, I, I watched yeah. the Titanic. Shit looks awesome. Why is it mine? <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. That's because it's pretend. It's fake. It's not real. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what else is there that I guess that would be useful in, in helping people in the bedroom? Oh, let's see. What else can I tell you? Um, I feel like you got those important parts down. You know, these are like principles you must get in your head. You know, she comes first. And yep. Yeah. But like, yeah, I guess. Um, so I, the way that I um, educate um, my children and my oldest son that, you know, they, you know, was not educated this way because I didn't have this kind of education when he was younger, but my younger kids, this is way I educate them on the six principles of sexual health, which is consent, mm-hmm. non-exploitation, honesty, shared values, protection from STI and pregnancy and mutual pleasure. If you have those six things, then you're going to have a much more likely have a healthy sexual relationship okay now how do you i mean how does one because like let's say there's a there's a mother listening to this and she's like wow this is great like i love this but i don't want to talk about this with my kid how would they especially because you know they're like well i don't want them even having sex so they're married so so how would but they... that's not just about sex we can we can start educating our children on these principles of sexual health because they have their own relationship with their own sexuality whether having sex or not so i mean you can start many of those values very young and then you just add more and more and more as they grow older into that so like the conversation that i have around those things um you know, it's going to look very different when they're, you know, a toddler, like, you know, a child, a young teen, an older teen, young adult, like they're all going to, it's going to look different in each stage. But I think the most important thing that I can tell parents is they need to be comfortable with their own sexuality. You're going to, the conversations are going to be a lot better when you are comfortable with yourself first, because your children can map you. 
and they can tell when you feel ashamed or feel awkward or uncomfortable with it. And that's not to say that you have to wait until those go away in order to have those conversations. But I think it's really important to work on your own, but also just acknowledge that these conversations tend to be awkward and uncomfortable and that's okay. You love them. And so you want to have it anyway. Yeah. When, and I appreciate you for saying that there are a lot of, um, people that follow this that are, you know, moms in their, in their forties or thirties. And so it'll be great for them to yeah. take, take that advice from you. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I can still talk about sex with my mom though. <laughs> but my oldest son that, you know, yeah. he and I have lots of conversations about sex. I mean, gosh, we had con- like two hour conversations about sex. Yeah, Because he knows that I am comfortable and that I want him to have good information and I want him to have a good sexual relationship. So I'm willing to talk to him and answer any questions that he has with any of my kids because I want that for them too. So like I have my daughter, so his younger sister, she's almost 21 and she has friends whose parents you know won't talk to them or they feel really uncomfortable talking to their parents and she's like oh just go talk to my mom she'll talk to anybody (laughs) (laughs) and they do and it's and it's good yeah yeah that's good i'll um i'll definitely keep that in mind if i have kids and you're still in the business like preaching this (laughs) 30 years from now but maybe 30 years from now yeah i do also i'll put in a little plug i have an engaged couples course Mm. um so it's a course it's aimed at people who have never been married or never had sex although i've had people who have had previous sexual relationships that um felt it was helpful and people that are even using it before their second marriage and find it really helpful so if that's something you know, that your audience is interested in for either for themselves or to gift to someone else, then that is available. Yeah. And I wanted to bring that up. I mean, obviously, I, I would love to be able to just talk about this for hours and hours, but you all, you have all the content there. And, and the reason I wanted to bring you on was the same reason I wanted to bring Sarah on and, and Natasha on is because um, I, I, I want people to just be aware of, of, resources that are there to help them yes you know, especially being lds you know you know where, where we come from our you know how we've been raised you understand what it's like to go without good sex <laughs> um yeah. and and you know how to and you know how to guide people to to a better way of, of living that and getting better at that yes i do and so i just want to like anybody who's still listening you know, just be like, hey, visit visit her page. Like I said, for that one for that one couple that I know of that that you've helped change their life, um, I I see them. And funny enough, I somebody I I've run into a few times since, and they're just they're happier at home. You know, <laughs> things are going yeah. better just because. Wow, five years in, we we know how to do it now. Yeah. Well, and it, I mean, I, it's really surprising. <laughs> it's fun to hear how 
like how many people come back to me, whether they've um, just listened to my podcast or follow me on Instagram, or they've actually come um, into coaching to work with me. But um, I would say for the majority of my clients, it has been life changing and marriage changing for them, which is really rewarding. So, yeah. Um, and I feel like I've covered all the questions that I wanted to ask, but do you, do you think there's anything more you'd like to share? Um, just a little bit about me and what I do. So when I decided to do this, um, it was, it was hard for me at first, um, to coach specifically on sex. I didn't start out coaching on sex. I started out coaching on women who were struggling in their marriage and contemplating divorce. But I saw a pattern very quickly and um, decided that I need to change things. And I will tell you um, that I have felt an outpouring of the spirit um, when it comes to my job. Um, There are times when I don't know what I say, like what what I say doesn't come from me. It comes directly from my heavenly parents. Um, this is important to them. It's important to, um, they know how important it is to an eternal and celestial marriage. And this is something that they want for all of their children. And I know that with my whole heart because I feel it every single day and I feel their blessing and their guidance and their spirit. And I mean, there's been so many times where, I haven't known like what I would do for my podcast that week or, you know, a talk that I needed to give. Um, and I pray and I sit down and it just flows out of me because this is something that I know is really important to them. I truly feel like it is why I was put here on this earth. It is my purpose. And um, I am so grateful and so blessed to be able to help women and couples and marriages in this way. I love that. Um, there is one thing that I, I guess the, what, a que- another question that came to mind that I, I wanted to sure. ask you. So, sure. because you talked about how people want to get divorced, um, this th- there's one confession that I get quite often, and this one concerns me probably the most out of at anything that I, that's been told to me, but there seems to be a time where a woman um, has regrets because they got, you know, they, they're getting old as a virgin and as they're reaching their, you know, their forties, especially if, if they began to doubt their faith, you know, they're like, I never got to, I never got to explore my sexuality. I never got to, you know, do this and that. And, and this is a common one that I've heard from several women um, submit a confession like that. What advice would you give to that person who, who I guess, who went into zero other partners and thinks maybe there's there's better sex out there? Uh, how, how would you help that person be cool in their marriage? Um, sex isn't beautiful and amazing because of what position you're in or what toys you're using or, you know, what your kinks look like or anything like that. Sex is beautiful and amazing because of the meaning that you give it. And as we get older and, 
can create deeper meaning in our marriages and our sexual relationship, the sex just gets better. It gets better and better with age. So we talk, well, I talk a little bit about um, like genital prime. Like, so a lot of people are like, well, I missed my prime, right? It's like, you know, they say like men peak in their 20s and women peak in their 30s. And that might be like hormones and genital prime. But um, but that's very different than your sexual prime. I think your sexual prime is older when you have less inhibitions, when you understand yourself better, when you have deeper commitment and love in your relationship, and you can create deeper meaning in that sexual relationship. That's when sex is really beautiful and really good. And I, you can do that until the day you die. Mm. I like that. So it comes down to just recommit, recommitting and strengthening that personal relationship with your partner rather than looking elsewhere to get that. Yeah. Like if you, I mean, it is a really common belief um, that I married the wrong person. That's a very common belief. But I think most people, there was a reason why you married them in the first place. And we need to kind of get back to that. Um, But like, if you're thinking like I missed out because, you know, I married this person and now I don't get to experience different sexual partners, you're kind of missing the point. Mm. And I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually mark that down because that's something people need to people need to hear. And that's yeah. I, I get that so often with and that's what that's what's concerned me about marriage. I'm like, dude, do I want to get married? It seems like it all goes to shit after like a decade. Well, that's I mean, it really depends on the people because I think most people if they are willing to be committed and growing themselves as a person and as a couple you can, most people can make a marriage work. It's when you have one partner who is not willing to, or both partners who are not willing to, that that's when marriages don't work. So, you know, I think you can make marriage work with just about anybody if you're both willing and committed. Mm. And I appreciate that. Um, And I appreciate everything you've told us so far, Amanda. With that being said, like, I want everybody who's listening, you know, check out her page. It's, it's what is it? Amanda Louder coaching, coaching? Mm-hmm. is what my um, Instagram is. My website is amandalouder.com. Okay. And that's like the perfect name for a sex coach. It way. is. It is. And it is really my actual name. <laughs> I think you even asked me that. It's like, is that your actual name? <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> yeah. I, I've had, I've had people when I, when I, when I said I was going to post your, your, your episode, they were like, is that really her name? That sounds like sounds like she made it up for marketing purposes. <laughs> nope, that is actually my name. It's just very fitting. And and I'll just t- say, can I just talk a little bit about my membership? Yeah. Um, so the best way to work with me is in my membership. Um, it's for women and couples. So I don't really allow single men to come in there, but um, if you're co- like, if you want to come in as a couple, that's totally fine. It is geared mostly towards women right now. Um, but in it, there are is so much of so much value that um, there's courses that you can do video courses. We do weekly live coaching where you can sign up to be coached or you can just come and watch people coaching. Everything's recorded. So if you miss a call, there's um, video recording. It goes into a private podcast that you have access to. Um, I do monthly classes um, and you have access to everything that I've ever done in since I started my membership almost 
gosh, three years ago. So, um, it, there's a lot in there. Don't want you to be overwhelmed, but it's, it really is amazing and life-changing and because it's a membership and you're not working with me one-on-one, although you can get private coaching once you are a member, um, it's really affordable too. It's only $49 a month and you can cancel anytime or you can pay upfront for a year and get a little bit of a discount. So it's, um, $4.99 for a year, but it's pretty affordable for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way you can have all of the help that you need from me personally. Like it's, it's me doing the coaching and answering the questions and stuff. It's, I don't have other people do it. It's me. So you get pretty good access to me for just 49 bucks a month. So Awesome. Yeah. That sounds great. If I, if I was going to get married, well, when I start getting married, you know, get, get, getting ready for marriage, I'm definitely going to sign up for your course. Yeah, the course is $199. So yeah. it's, um, I think it's 10 modules. So and it's pretty like, I mean, pretty quick, I usually recommend people do it about a month before they get married. Um, but in addition to that, you also have um, one free 15 minute coaching session with me a month for 12 months. So either before you get married or after you get married, if you have questions or concerns or problems, then you can bring them to a coaching call with me and and I help you personally. So awesome. And I really appreciate that. Um, so everybody just, just follow her on, on Instagram, the internet, her website. Do you have YouTube too or no? Not YouTube, just my podcast. My pos- my podcast is called Sex for Saints. Sex for Saints. Yep. Love it. <laughs> uh, there was a, you should have just called it Come Unto Zion, but. <laughs> I wanted to call it Come Come You Saints, but I didn't feel like that was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> that would have been a great one. <laughs> I know. It would have been really good, but I like Sex for Saints too. So. Yeah. Dang it. Now I can't sing that hymn. I know. <laughs> You'll never be able to hear that hymn again without laughing. I can't. I can't. I laugh every time. <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate you so much, Amanda. I'm, I'm going to actually share this personally with, uh, you know, people that I, I, yeah, you said, you said we shouldn't mind other, like get into other people's business, but I know some, some sister Johnson's out there that need this, you know? So yeah, it's all right to I'll, share a podcast. Share <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> all right, Amanda. Well, I, I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.